Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Tuesday of the 14th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who in the abasement of your Son have raised up a fallen world, fill your faithful with holy joy, for on those you have rescued from slavery to sin, you bestow eternal gladness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Hosea. Thus says the Lord, They have set up kings but not with my consent, and appointed princes, but without my knowledge. Out of their own silver and gold they have made idols, which are doomed to destruction. I spurn your calf, Samaria. My anger blazes against it. How long will it be before they purge themselves of this, the sons of Israel? A workman made the thing. This cannot be God. Yes, the calf of Samaria shall go up in flames. They sow the wind, they will reap the whirlwind. Their wheat will yield no ear, their ear will yield no flower. Or, if it does, foreigners will swallow it. Ephraim has built altar after altar. They have only served him as an occasion for sin. Were I to write out the thousand precepts of my law for him, they would be paid no more attention than those of a stranger. They love sacrificing. Right, let them sacrifice. They love meat. Right, let them eat it. The Lord takes no pleasure in these. He is now going to remember their iniquity and punish their sins. They will have to go back to Egypt. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The house of Israel trusts in the Lord. The house of Israel trusts in the Lord. Our God He is in the heavens. He does whatever he wills. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of human hands. The house of Israel trusts in the Lord. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have nostrils, but they cannot smell. The house of Israel trusts in the Lord. With their hands, they cannot feel. With their feet they cannot walk. Their makers will come to be like them, and so will all who trust in them. The house of Israel trusts in the Lord. 
Sons of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Sons of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The house of Israel trusts in the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the good shepherd, says the Lord. I know my sheep, and mine know me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. A man brought to Jesus a dumb demoniac. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb man spoke, and the people were amazed. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel, they said. But the Pharisees said, it is through the prince of devils that he casts out devils. Jesus made a tour through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing all kinds of diseases and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them, because they were harassed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is rich, but the labourers are few. So, ask the Lord of the harvest to send labourers to his harvest. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So yesterday we had a really beautiful reading from the prophet Hosea, where God was speaking about his promise to take his bride back to himself after her unfaithfulness to the covenant, that there would be a new covenant to establish a new relationship between God and his people. But we're going back to the warnings now. And Hosea is speaking to the people of the northern kingdom. And he's talking to them while they're being unfaithful to God and his commands. While they're being forgetful of the covenant that Moses had established between God and the people on Mount Sinai. Now the word of God that comes through the prophet Hosea really points to the people as being kind of out of control. They've set up kings without my consent, they've appointed princes without my knowledge, and they've made their own idols out of silver and gold. I spurn your calf, Samaria. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? A golden calf? Well, that happened at the foot of Mount Sinai. Well, they're back at it again. And God says, look, a workman made this thing. It it can't be God. Then Hosea speaks about Ephraim, Ephraim being another region in the northern kingdom, having built altar after altar. Now, obviously, these altars aren't dedicated to the worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's at this point that God says, well, fine. You like sacrificing? Go ahead and sacrifice. You like meat? Go ahead and eat it. Make your choices, but your choices have consequences. Now, I think we need to be a little bit clear about what these consequences are and and where they come from, because I think, you know, we could fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, God's actually just being a little bit petulant. He's being a little bit childish. The people of Israel, they aren't worshipping him and he's not the center of attention. And therefore, he's going to send them all sorts of disasters just to get their attention back and to remind them who's boss. That's not what's going on here. God instead, through the prophet Hosea, is saying to them, look, what you're worshipping, 
what you're basing your life on is not real. The calf that you've made, these idols of silver and gold, they're the work of human hands, and you're worshipping them as if they could bless you. And this is beautifully reflected in the psalm which we read today. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have nostrils and they cannot smell. With their hands, they can't feel. With their feet, they can't work. And their makers will come to be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Why? Because your trust is completely misplaced. Your trust is placed in something that cannot support it because it's just not there. The sons of Israel, says the psalm, sons of Israel trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Sons of Aaron trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So the disaster that comes upon the northern kingdom through the Assyrians It's not so much that God is sending his wrath down upon them because they dared to stray from the worship of the one true God and and now he's grumpy. No, it comes as a kind of spiritual physics. If you do this, then that happens. It's a kind of spiritual causality. You put your faith in something that can't support it, things are going to fall over. And so... The prophet Hosea has this wonderful phrase. They sow the wind, they will reap the whirlwind. The harvest comes as a consequence of the sowing, but only more so because there's a kind of multiplication that happens. You put in the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Now Hosea continues on. He says, their wheat will yield no ear, the ear will yield no flower, and if it does, foreigners are going to take it. Why? because they've turned from the source of their life. So here's the thing. If you turn your back on God, who has given you your freedom, liberation, well, you're going to slide back into Egypt. Hosea says he is now going to remember their iniquity and punish their sins. They will have to go back to Egypt. Again, not because God is grumpy and he wants to seek his revenge against the Israelites, but because that's the natural consequence of being separated from God. It's slavery. You put yourself outside of God's great exodus. And in a kind of game of snakes and ladders, if you're not climbing the ladders, you're sliding down a snake. And of course, we know what happens. Israel doesn't heed the warnings of Hosea and the Assyrians come and they make a whole mess of the country. And though God allows us to experience the consequences of our sin, he's not mere justice because rightly we should get what we deserve. God is not pure justice. His justice turns on itself in mercy. In this passionate love which Hosea was speaking about, he will send his Messiah, his Redeemer, the one who will re-establish a new covenant after the infidelity of Israel. And this is where I think we have 
a beautiful little dovetail between the first reading and the gospel. And like it's a little bit of a fluke because we're doing a continuous reading through Matthew's gospel. So it just happens that this little bit comes up and is matched with this reading from the prophet Hosea. But at this point in Matthew, Jesus, he's walking around the area of the northern kingdom, around the Sea of Galilee, around Samaria, around Ephraim, these places that we've heard about. Jesus is walking in that territory which had been so unfaithful and which had been declared barren as a consequence of their idol worship. But now, Jesus, who is the expression of the merciful love of the Father who wants to draw his people back to himself, Jesus himself declares, the harvest is rich. That in being brought into new relationship with God, in him, the new covenant that's established in Christ, there is a whole new fruitfulness. And this fruitfulness is brought about by God's grace and it needs workers, laborers, to bring in such an abundant harvest. You know, let's not kid ourselves. Sin does have its consequences. And, you know, we can make such a mess of our lives if we're given over to sin and sinful passions. But we can see that Jesus, coming into the northern kingdom, coming into that very place where Hosea did his first preaching, that He's come in order to rescue his people. He's cast out the devil that holds authority over people. He's walked around proclaiming the good news, which is freedom from what holds us captive, from disease, from sickness, from Egypt. And when we're in right relationship with God, the harvest is indeed rich. And so we have once more the invitation to turn away from the false idols which bring nothing and to turn toward the one true God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the source of life, the Lord of the harvest, the one who makes us truly fruitful. At the Saviour's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. 
Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.